0: Act One of the Misanthrope by Moliere. Translated by Henri van Loon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae.
1: Alceste,
0: In love with Soliminae.
1: Read by Nemo.
2: Philint, his friend. Read by Todd.
3: Orante.
0: In Love with Salemene.
3: Read by Amon Napstone.
0: Selimene. Beloved by Alceste. Read by Lianya. Eliante. Her cousin. Read by Sonia. Arsinoe. Salemene's friend. Read by Eva Davis.
1: Acast, Marquis. Read by Thomas Peter. Clitonda, Marquis. Read by Sean
3: Lally.
0: Basque servant to Soleminet.
2: Read by Paul. Dubois
0: servant to Alceste.
2: Read by recording person.
1: An officer of the Marie Chausie. Read by Roger Moline.
0: Stage directions read by K. Hand. Scene at Paris in Soleminet's house. Act One scene one felinte alceste what
2: is the matter what ails you alceste
0: seated
1: leave me i pray
2: but once more tell me what strange whim
1: leave me i tell you and get out of my sight
2: but you might at least listen to people without getting angry
1: i choose to get angry and i do not choose to listen
2: i do not understand you in these abrupt moods and although we are friends i am the first alsa
0: rising quickly
1: i your friend lay not that flattering unction to your soul i have until now professed to be so but after what i have just seen of you i tell you candidly that i am such no longer I've no wish to occupy a place in a corrupt heart.
2: I am, then, very much to be blamed from your point of view, Alcest?
1: To be blamed? You ought to die from very shame. There's no excuse for such behaviour, and every man of honour must be disgusted at it. I see you almost stifle a man with caresses, show him the most ardent affection, and overwhelm him with protestations offers and vows of friendship your ebulations of tenderness know no bounds when i ask you who that man is you can scarcely tell me his name your feelings for him the moment you've turned your back suddenly cool you speak of him most indifferently to me zounds i call it unworthy base and infamous so far to demean one's self as to act contrary to one's own feelings and if unfortunately i had done such a thing i should go that very instant and hang myself out of sheer vexation
2: i do not see that it is a hanging matter at all and i beg of you not to think it amiss if i ask you to show me some mercy for i shall not hang myself if it be all the same to you
1: that is a sorry joke
2: but seriously what would you have people
1: do i would have people be sincere and that like men of honour no word be spoken that comes not from the heart
2: when a man comes and embraces you warmly you must pay him back in his own coin respond as best you can to his show of feeling and return offer for offer and vow for vow.
1: Not so. I cannot bear so base a method, which your fashionable people generally affect. There is nothing I detest so much as the contortions of these great time-and-lip-servers, these affable dispensers of meaningless embraces, these obliging utterers of empty words, who vie with every one in civilities and treat the man of worth and the fop alike. What good does it do if a man heaps endearments on you, vows that he is your friend, that he believes in you, is full of zeal for you, esteems and loves you, and lauds you to the skies? When he rushes to do the same to the first rapskilling scallion he meets. No, no, no heart with the least self-respect, cares for esteem so prostituted he will hardly relish it even when openly expressed when he finds that he shares it with the whole universe preference must be based on esteem and to esteem everyone is to esteem no one as you abandon yourself to the vices of the times zounds you are not the man for me I decline this over-complacent kindness, which uses no discrimination. I like to be distinguished, and, to cut the matter short, the friend of all mankind is no friend of mine.
2: But when we are of the world, we must conform to the outward civilities which custom demands.
1: I deny it. We ought to punish piteously that shameful pretense of friendly intercourse. I like a man to be a man, and to show on all occasions the bottom of his heart in his discourse. Let that be the thing to speak, and never let our feelings be hidden beneath vain compliments.
2: There are many cases in which plain speaking would become ridiculous, and could hardly be tolerated. And with all due allowances for your unbending honesty, it is as well to conceal your feelings sometimes. Would it be right, or decent, to tell thousands of people what we think of them? And when we meet with someone who we hate, or who displeases us, must we tell him so openly? Yes. What? Would you tell old Emilia that it ill becomes her to set up for a beauty at her age, and that the paint she uses disgusts everyone?
1: Undoubtedly.
2: Or Dorillus, that he is a bore, and that there is no one at court who is not sick of hearing him boast of his courage and the lustre of his house.
1: Decidedly so. You are jesting. I am not jesting at all, and I would not spare any one in that respect. It offends my eyes too much, and whether at court or in town, I behold nothing but what provokes my spleen. I become quite melancholy and deeply grieved. To see men behave to each other as they do. Everywhere I find nothing but base flattery, Injustice, self-interest, deceit, roguery. (sighs) I cannot bear it any longer. I am furious, and my intention is to break with all mankind.
2: This philosophical spleen is somewhat too savage. I cannot but laugh to see you in these gloomy fits, and fancy that i perceive in us two brought up together the two brothers described in the school for husbands who
1: good heavens drop your insipid comparisons
2: nay seriously leave off these vagaries the world will not alter for all your meddling and as plain speaking has such charms for you i shall tell you frankly that this complaint of yours is as good as a play wherever you go and that all those invectives against the manners of the age make you a laughing-stock to many people.
1: So much the better, Zounds, so much the better. That is just what I want. It is a very good sign, and I rejoice at it. All manners so odious to me that I should be sorry to appear rational in their eyes.
2: But do you wish harm to all mankind?
1: Yes. I have conceived a terrible hatred for them.
2: Shall all poor mortals, without exception, be included in this aversion? There are some, even in the age in which we live.
1: No, they are all alike, and I hate all men. Some, because they're wicked and mischievous, others, because they lend themselves to the wicked, and have not that healthy contempt with which vice ought to inspire all virtuous minds. You can see how unjustly and excessively complacent people are to that barefaced scoundrel with whom I am at law. You may plainly perceive the traitor through his mask. He is well known everywhere in his true colors. His rolling eyes and his honeyed tones impose only on those who do not know him people are aware that this low-bred fellow who deserves to be pilloried has by the dirtiest jobs made his way in the world and that the splendid position he has acquired makes merit repine and virtue blush yet whatever dishonourable epithets may be launched against him everywhere nobody defends his wretched honour call him a rogue an infamous wretch a confounded scoundrel if you like and all the world will say yea and no one contradicts you but for all that his bowing and scraping are welcome everywhere he's received smiled upon and wriggles himself into all kinds of society and if any appointment is to be secured by intriguing he will carry the day over a man of the greatest worth Zounds! these are mortal stabs to me to see vice parlayed with and sometimes i feel suddenly inclined to fly into a wilderness far from the approach of men
2: great heaven let us torment ourselves a little less about the vices of our age and be a little more lenient to human nature let us not scrutinize it with the utmost severity but look with some indulgence at its failings. In society we need virtue to be more pliable. If we are too wise, we may be equally to blame. Good sense avoids all extremes, and requires us to be soberly rational. This unbending and virtuous stiffness of ancient times shocks too much the ordinary customs of our own. It requires too great perfection from us mortals, We must yield to the times without being too stubborn. It is the height of folly to busy ourselves in correcting the world. I, as well as yourself, notice a hundred things every day which might be better managed, differently enacted. But whatever I may discover at any moment, people do not see me in a rage like you. I take men quietly, just as they are. I accustom my mind to bear with what they do, and I believe that at court, as well as in the city, my phlegm is as philosophical as your bile.
1: But this phlegm, good sir, you who reason so well, could it not be disturbed by anything? And if, perchance, a friend should betray you, if he forms a subtle plot to get a hold of what is yours, if people should try to spread evil reports about you, would you tamely submit to all this without flying into a rage?
2: Aye, I look upon all these faults of which you complained as vices inseparably connected with human nature. In short, my mind is no more shocked at seeing a man a rogue, unjust, or selfish, than at seeing vultures eager for prey, mischievous apes, or fury-lashed wolves.
1: What? I should see myself deceived, torn to pieces, robbed without being. Zounds! I shall say no more about it. All this reasoning is full of impertinence.
2: Upon my word, you would do well to keep silence, rail a little less at your opponent, and attend a little more to your suit.
1: That I shall not do. That is settled long ago.
2: But whom then do you expect to solicit for you?
1: whom reason my just right equity
2: shall you not pay a visit to any of the judges
1: no is my cause unjust or dubious
2: i am agreed on that but you know what harm intrigues do and-no
1: i am resolved not to stir a step i am either right or wrong
2: do not trust in that
1: I Shall not. Budge an inch
2: your opponent is powerful and by his underhand work may induce
1: it does not matter
2: you will make a mistake
1: be it so i wish to see the end of it but i shall have the satisfaction of losing my suit
2: but after all
1: i shall see by this trial whether men have sufficient impudence are wicked villainous and perverse enough to do me this injustice in the face of the whole world.
2: What a strange fellow.
1: I could wish, were it to cost me ever so much, that, for the fun of the thing, I lost my case.
2: But people will really laugh at you, Alcest, if they hear you go on in this fashion.
1: (laughs) So much the worse for those who will.
2: But this rectitude which you exact so carefully in every case, this absolute integrity in which you entrench yourself, do you perceive it in the lady you love? As for me, I am astonished that, appearing to be at war with the whole human race, you yet, notwithstanding everything that can render it odious to you, have found aught to charm your eyes. And what surprises me still more is a strange choice your heart has made. The sincere Eliane has a liking for you, the prude Ascanio looks with favour upon you; yet your heart does not respond to their passion. Whilst you wear the chains of SILIMEN, who sports with you, and whose coquettish humour and malicious wit seems to accord so well with the manner of the times, how comes it that hating these things as mortally as you do, you endure so much of them in that lady? Are they no longer faults in so sweet a charmer? Do not you perceive them? Or, if you do, do you excuse them?
1: Not so. The love I feel for this young widow does not make me blind to her faults. And, notwithstanding, the great passion with which she has inspired me, I am the first to see, as well as to condemn them. But for all this, do what I will. I confess my weakness she has the art of pleasing me in vain i see her faults i may even blame them in spite of all she makes me love her her charms conquer everything and no doubt my sincere love will purify our heart from the vices of our times
2: if you accomplish this it will be no small task Do you believe yourself beloved by her?
1: (laughs) Yes, certainly. I should not love her at all did I not think so.
2: But if her love for you is so apparent, how comes it that your rivals cause you so much uneasiness?
1: It is because a heart deeply smitten claims all to itself. I come here only with the intention of telling her what, on this subject, my feelings dictate.
2: Had I but to choose, her cousin Eliot would have all my love. Her heart, which values yours, is stable and sincere, and this more compatible choice would have suited you better.
1: It is true. My good sense tells me so every day. But good sense does not always rule love.
2: Well, I fear much for your affections, and the hope
0: which you cherish may perhaps... SCENE two, ORANTE. ALCESTE. FELINTE. ORANTE. TO ALCESTE.
3: I have been informed yonder that Eléant and Selimaine have gone out to make some purchases. But as I heard that you were here, I came to tell you most sincerely THAT I HAVE CONCEIVED THE GREATEST REGARD FOR YOU, AND THAT, FOR A LONG TIME, THIS REGARD HAS INSPIRED ME WITH THE MOST ARDENT WISH TO BE RECKONED AMONG YOUR FRIENDS. YES, I LIKE TO DO HOMAGE TO MERIT, AND I AM MOST ANXIOUS THAT A BOND OF FRIENDSHIP SHOULD UNITE US. I suppose that a zealous friend and of my standing is not altogether to be rejected.
0: All this time, Alceste has been musing and seems not to be aware that Arante is addressing him. He looks up only when Arante says
3: to him, It is to you, if you please, that this speech is addressed.
1: To me, sir.
3: To you. Is it in any way offensive to you?
1: Not in the least. But my surprise is very great, and I did not expect
3: that honour. The regard in which I hold you ought not to astonish you, and you can claim it from the whole world. Sir? Our whole kingdom contains nothing above the dazzling merit which people discover in you sir yes for my part i prefer you to the most important in it sir may heaven strike me dead if i lie and to convince you on this very spot of my feelings allow me sir to embrace you with all my heart and to solicit a place in your friendship your hand if you please will you promise me your friendship sir what
1: you refuse me sir you do me too much honor but friendship is a sacred thing and to lavish it on every occasion is surely to profane it judgment and choice should preside at such a compact we ought to know more of each other before engaging ourselves and it may happen that our dispositions are such that we may both of us repent of our bargain
3: upon my word that is wisely said and i esteem you all the more for it let us therefore leave it to time to form such a pleasing bond but meanwhile I am entirely at your disposal. If you have any business at court, everyone knows how well I stand with the king. I have his private ear. And, upon my word, he treats me in everything with the utmost intimacy. In short, I am yours in every emergency. And as you are a man of brilliant parts and to inaugurate our charming amity i come to read you a sonnet which i made a little while ago and to know whether it be good enough for publicity
1: i'm not fit sir to decide such a matter you will therefore excuse me
3: why so
1: I have the failing of being a little more sincere in those things than is necessary.
3: The very thing I ask. And I should have reason to complain if, in laying myself open to you, that you might give me your frank opinion, you should deceive me and disguise anything from me.
1: If that be the case, sir, I'm perfectly willing.
3: Sonnet Uh, it it is a sonnet hope it it is to a lady who flattered my passion with some hope hope they are not long pompous verses but mild tender and melting little lines
0: at every one of these interruptions he looks at alceste we shall
3: see hope I I do not know whether the style will strike you as sufficiently clear and easy, and whether you will approve my choice of words.
1: We shall soon see, sir.
3: Besides, you must know that I was only a quarter of an hour in composing it.
1: Let us hear, sir. The time signifies nothing.
0: Orante reads,
1: Hope, it
3: is true, oft gives relief. Rocks for a while, are tedious pain, but what a poor advantage, Phyllis, when naught remains, and all is gone, I am already charmed with this little bit,
0: Alceste softly to Felinte,
1: what do you mean to tell me that you like this stuff?
3: You once had some complacency. But less would have sufficed. You should not take that trouble To give me naught but hope. In what pretty terms
2: these thoughts are put!
1: How now, you vile flatterer! You
3: praise this rubbish! If I must wait eternally, My passion, driven to extremes, Will fly to death. Your tender cares cannot prevent this. Fair Phyllis, I were in despair when we must hope for ever.
2: The conclusion is pretty, amorous, admirable.
1: A plague on that conclusion. I wish you'd had concluded to break your nose, you poisoner to the devil.
2: I never heard verses more skilfully
0: turned.
1: Zounds
0: orante to felinte
3: you flatter me you are under the impression perhaps
0: no i am not flattering at all
1: what else are you doing
3: you wretch
0: orante to alceste
3: but for you you know our agreement speak to me i pray with all sincerity these matters sir are
1: always more or less delicate and every one is fond of being praised for his wit, but I was saying one day to a certain person who shall be nameless when he showed me some of his verses that a gentleman ought at all times to exercise a great control over that itch for writing which sometimes attacks us and should keep a tight rein over the strong propensity which one has to display such amusements, and that In the frequent anxiety to show their productions, people are frequently exposed to act a very foolish part.
3: Do you wish to convey to me by this that I am wrong in desiring?
1: I do not say that exactly, but I told him that writing without warmth becomes a bore, that there needs no other weakness to disgrace a man, that even if people, on the other hand, had a hundred good qualities. We view them from their worst sides.
3: Do you find anything to object to in my sonnet?
1: I do not say that. But, to keep him from writing, I set before his eyes how in our days that desire has spoiled a great many very worthy people.
3: Do I write badly? Am I like them in any way?
1: I do not say that. But in short i said to him what pressing need is there for you to rhyme and what the deuce drives you into print if we can pardon the sending into the world of a badly written book it will only be in those unfortunate men who write for their livelihood believe me resist your temptations keep these effusions from the public and do not how much soever you may be asked forfeit the reputation which you enjoy at court of being a man of sense and a gentleman to take from the hands of a greedy printer that of a ridiculous and wretched author that is what i tried to make him understand
3: this is all well and good and i seem to understand you but i should like to know what there is in my sonnet to-
1: candidly. YOU HAD BETTER PUT IT IN YOUR CLOSET. YOU'VE BEEN FOLLOWING BAD MODELS, AND YOUR EXPRESSIONS ARE NOT AT ALL NATURAL. PRAY, WHAT IS? ROCKS FOR A WHILE ARE TEDIOUS PAIN. AND WHAT, WHEN naught REMAINS AND ALL IS GONE? WHAT? YOU SHOULD NOT TAKE THAT TROUBLE TO GIVE ME naught BUT HOPE? and what phyllis i were in despair when we must hope for ever this figurative style that people are so vain of is beside all good taste and truth it is only a play upon words sheer affectation and it is not thus that nature speaks the wretched taste of the age is what i dislike in this our forefathers unpolished as they were had a much better one and i value all that is admired nowadays far less than an old song which i am going to repeat to you had our great monarch granted me his paris large and fair and i straightway must quit for i the love of my true dear then would i say king hall i pray take back your paris fare i love much more my dear i trow i love much more my dear this versification is not rich and the style is antiquated but do you not see that it is far better than all those trumpery trifles against which good sense revolts and that in this passion speaks from the heart had our great monarch granted me his paris large and fair and i straightway must quit for i the love of my true dear then would i say king hall i pray take back your paris fair I love much more, my dear, I trow. I love much more, my dear. This is what a really loving heart would say.
0: To Felinte, who is laughing.
1: Yes, Master Wag. In spite of all your wit, I care more for this than for all the florid pomp and the tinsel which everybody is admiring nowadays.
3: And I... I maintain that my verses are very good.
1: Doubtless you have your reason for thinking them so. But you will allow me to have mine, which, with your permission, will remain independent.
3: It is enough for me that others prize them.
1: That is because they know how to dissemble, which I do not. Do
3: you really believe that you have such a great share of wit? if i praised your verses
1: i should have more
3: i shall do very well without your approbation
1: you will have to do without it
3: if it be all the same i should like much to see you compose some on the same subject just to have a sample of your style
1: i might perchance make some as bad but i should take good care not to show them to any one
3: you are mightily positive and this great sufficiency pray seek someone else to flatter you and not me but
1: my little sir drop this haughty tone in truth my big sir i shall do as i like
2: Finte, coming between them stop gentlemen that is carrying the matter too far Cease, I pray.
3: Ah, oh, I am wrong, I confess, and I leave the field to you. I am your servant, sir, most heartily.
1: And I, sir, am your most humble servant.
0: Scene three. Philinthe, Alceste.
2: Well, you see, by being too sincere you have got a nice affair on your hands. I saw that Orant, in order to be flattered,
1: Do not talk to me. But? No more society for me.
2: Is it too much?
1: Leave me alone.
2: If I?
1: Not another word.
2: But what?
1: I will hear no more. But? Again?
2: People insult.
1: (sighs) Zounds, this is too much. Do not dog my steps. You are making fun of me.
2: I shall not leave you
0: End of Act One